Well, good morning. Everybody doing okay? Did anybody get wet on the way in this morning? A few of you? I, uh, I got a little wet, but luckily it just slides right off these days. So I don't have a whole lot to worry about. I'm not bitter. I'm just saying uh, that's what happens, right? Well, it's a complete honor to be here with you this morning. And uh, when Brother Noel called me and asked me to, uh, to speak with you this morning, um, I, I had to just kind of think about it a little bit. It's, it's almost as if I'm a guest back with you. Uh, it's been about a year and a half since I've been here. I've been doing an interim at a, another little sister church here in town and, and, um, and enjoying that. But, uh, but it's always good to be back with your church family. Um, and so if you uh, don't know me, uh, my name is Gary Davis and I'm married to Krista Davis. And we have three uh, amazing little uh, kids, Asher, Silas, and Paisy. And uh, they are, they're the life of our house, for sure. Uh, they keep us busy and, and uh, keep us laughing and, and sometimes crying. Um, but they're, they're amazing. Uh, but if you don't know what I get to do, I get to serve on the campus of Stephen F. Austin as the Baptist Student Ministry Director. And that's a lot to say in one sentence. But if you shorten it, I'm the BSM Director at SFA. And that's a little easier, right? You can take that in. But here's what I get to do on a weekly basis. Um, I get to go have coffee, a lot of coffee with college students. I get to sit down with them. Uh, We get to study God's word. We get to share in life experiences and we get to share with individuals on the college campus about who Christ is and and the truth uh, that comes with knowing Christ. And and so on a weekly basis, we get to do a number of things. Um, Every Tuesday night, we, we feed around 100 college students, and then we break off into what we call life groups, and our student leaders lead out in those, and they study scripture. And then from there, we uh, partner with a few churches here in town to do what we call 24-7, and it's a worship service where uh, two 250 students come to it, and uh, we're able to have a time of worship with, with college students and, and share the word of God with them in, a, in an incredible, uh, incredible way. And, and working alongside other college ministers is, is just a blessing because I got to be honest, you're kind of the lone ranger in a lot of instances. You're, you're kind of out there by yourself sometimes. And, and so getting to work alongside them and like-minded uh, individuals serving the campus of SFA uh, we get to do this weekly, and we get to see a number of students come in and out and, and be a part of what God is doing. Uh, other things that we do on Wednesdays, we have a noon lunch, and uh, this is where uh, First Baptist and many of our churches here in Nacogdoches come in and help, and, and we serve anywhere from 150, 175 students at this, this noon lunch, and, and during that time, um, it's not just a come and eat and and leave type thing. We have students and and some of our staff will speak. And and so every week we get to present the gospel to students who who think they're just coming for a free meal. And uh, so we we were able to get out on campus and share with them, hey, come and eat, right? No strings attached, just come and eat. Um, And then you may hear about Jesus um, and and you get to hear that. And so uh, just a number of things that are going on around uh, the BSM. Over spring break, we were fortunate to send out 76 different people uh, over spring break to two different places. And and let me describe those two places for you real quick and then we'll we'll get going here. But 
uh, one of the places that um, half of our group went to was South Padre Island. Um, if you know anything about South Padre Island during spring break, it's a, it's a place where literally almost 60 to 70,000 college students from around the nation and, and sometimes literally around the world, we've, we've met people from around the world, come uh, for that week to simply just party. And, uh, and the island is full of it. And so what our groups go down to do is we go down to offer van rides. And so there are, are a number of white vans uh, marked up with all different types of things saying free rides. And, and there's a hotline that individuals can call into and, and we're dispersed out all throughout the night. And we go uh, wherever they're at and we pick them up. The great thing about South Padre Island is there's literally one road. And, and you get on that one road and you can have individuals in your van for up to an hour. Well, what do you do with people when you have them in your van for up to an hour? Well, you tell them about Jesus, right? And so we work in this aspect of sharing the gospel with them. And, and some of them, um, as soon as they get on and we start asking them about if they go to church and that kind of stuff, they're looking for the exit. They're wanting off. But it's amazing over that hour or so how much they sober up. And how much the Holy Spirit begins to work on their hearts and you begin to see lives changed for the sake of the gospel. It's an amazing, amazing thing. Um, our other group went to Houston where during the day we would, we would work with children. We worked on various um, mission projects around uh, the third ward and, and worked in that area. And then at night what we would do is we worked with an organization there in Houston who their sole responsibility is to try to bring girls out of human trafficking. And so what we would do is we would, we would get on the phones, and we would partner up, and we would make phone calls to these girls. And we would ask them, as we're telling them who we are, what do you want? Do you want to come out of this lifestyle? Do you want to get away from, from where you are? And, and, and there were a few that, that said, you know what, yes, I want out. I want to set up an appointment, I want to meet with somebody, and I want out. But the heartbreaking reality is, is that many of these girls, their comment was, no, I'm good. I'm right where I want to be. And you listen to that and your heart just begins to break for these girls who many of them have, have somewhat chosen this lifestyle, but for many of them, they have not chosen this lifestyle. And they're stuck. And they're wondering uh, deep down, is there a way out? And, and we are offering that to them in a, in a real and tangible way. But the Lord is doing some amazing things here on the campus. Uh, let me share one story and then we'll, we'll move on. During Dead Week, which is not dead at all. I don't know why they call it that. There's still tests. And if you're a professor in here, I just have to, uh, well, I'm just, thank you for being a professor. So, um, but they call it Dead Week. But during this past Dead Week, one of our student leaders um, had been meeting with this girl all semester. And uh, she she, she had texted me right before and said, hey, I'm going to meet up with her for lunch. Be praying for our conversation. And about an hour and a half later, she texts me back and she says, we have a new sister in Christ. And this girl accepted Christ and is now being discipled. And so we, if you look at our campus and you think, okay, I really like our campus, but I don't really like when they come back because the streets get busy and we can't go to restaurants because they're all there and all that kind of stuff. Then just let me put this nugget in your head real quick. We have the opportunity to witness to almost 13,000 individuals. 13,000. 
The way that we train our leaders at the BSM is we, we literally try to train them to think you are a missionary every time you step across the street and you go onto campus. Think of it like a village in Africa. You're going to share the gospel. You just get the opportunity to go to class. In my mind, that's an awful idea. But for them, some of them really like going to class. But you, you have a responsibility as well. As adults in this community, as leaders in this community, to begin sharing that same love with them. So I want to challenge you in that. I'm a little biased. I get it. I love college students. I get to work with them day in and day out. Um, But I want to challenge you as brothers and sisters in Christ to begin pouring into our college campus because it's a harvest ready and ripe and it's, it's just waiting for you to join it. Before we get into scripture, let's, uh, let's pray and then we're going to jump right in. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for what, uh, what you are doing within this congregation and lives that are being changed. And I thank you for, uh, for Brother Noel and, and his responsibility here to come and shepherd this flock. And God, I pray blessings over him and his family as they are, are celebrating graduation this weekend and, and many other things, God, that you would give them time and you'd give them time of rest as well. But this morning, God, as we, as we begin to study your scriptures, may you bring truth into our lives and may you show us exactly who you are. God, we pray this in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. Well, about a year and a half ago, uh, Krista and I and the kids, we moved to a different house. And in so doing, uh, we left behind the, the playground that we had built at our other house. And so we had been promising our kids that we would build a new playground. That's a pretty big deal. I didn't realize how big a deal that was. Um, when you tell your kids you're going to do something, you really have to follow through because every day they ask you two to three times, when are we going to build the playhouse? I mean, I'll come home from lunch some days and and Silas, our middle son, he's like, hey, dad, we're going to build the playhouse today. (laughs) Buddy, I'm just here on lunch break. I'm about to head back, you know. And so we began this process uh, a couple of months ago and uh, we we picked out this spot in uh, in the backside of our our yard. And and so I began building the treehouse. And when I say treehouse, if you know anything about me, when I build something, it starts out this small and winds up like this big. Anybody else? It just, it just multiplies. And so as I'm, as I'm mapping all this out and I'm, and I'm showing Krista, I'm like, hey, I think this is where it's going to be. We can you know, run it from this tree to this tree. And, and then I got to look and I thought, well, but what if I went from this tree to that tree? Man, how cool would that be, right? Like they could have a deck around their tree house. And, and I, I guess I'm just trying to you know, rethink my childhood, like what I would have wanted to have. And so so I began to build this treehouse. And so in the middle of this process, I'm literally in the back, uh, back there, and I'm holding up, mind, I'm, I'm doing this by myself, right? Okay, I don't, you know, nobody's out there helping me. It's up in the air, and I'm holding this two by eight, this tree to two by eight, it's like 12 feet long, and I'm holding it up in the air, trying to get it right in the right spot so that I can put the screw. You know, you gotta hold your feet just right and all that kind of stuff. And here comes my beautiful wife down the hill. And as she's entering or coming closer, I could just tell something, something was a little off, right? You just, you know, right? And as she got closer, I'm still holding this two by eight by 14 up in the air. And, and she gets closer and her eyes are a little glassy, kind of like she's been crying, right? And, and I look at her 
And, and I'm still holding the beam right in the air. And she looks at me and she goes, hey, are you ready to have another baby? Yeah. So I've got two things in my head right now. Do I drop the beam and hug her? Do I kick her? Do I, what do I do, right? And as I'm watching her facial expressions, the wheels begin to turn in my head. And at this point, I'm extremely tired. I'd been working on this almost all day. And, and I'm thinking to myself, what, what is going on here? Now, I didn't tell you the date of when she told me. This was a Saturday, the very first part of April. And she looks at me and she goes, hey, April Fool's. <laughs> so before you got your hopes up about a beautiful little Davis baby running around here, it was April Fool's. My wife, my beautiful, lovely wife, got me. She got me. I mean, I was almost in that point of like, you know, when you're about to start tearing up because you're kind of excited, but you're kind of worried at the same time, right? But she got me. And why, am I, why in the world am I telling you this story? Well, I'm telling you this story because this morning we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 11. So go ahead and turn there as we get there. I want us to understand this idea that I think many of us in this room are probably in the same spot. You're not getting April Fool's jokes played on you, but you're trying to juggle things up in the air all the time. You're trying to hold this, this mass amount of weight on your shoulders, and it's those things that God never intended for you to hold on to, never intended for you to bear this burden. And so as we look at this passage, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, I want us to begin to understand this aspect. Because God has called us to give over our burdens to him, but he's also called us to something else. So let's look at this passage. Verse 28 says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, come to me, right, and you will find rest. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you, not the world's yoke. And I don't know about you, but typically when I think of yoke, I think of, of eggs and how great they are, right? You may be thinking of something else, like in terms of, of, of hooking two animals up together to to plow a field. There's a yoke that's, that's, that's harnessed to them. I guess it just depends on how hungry you are, which way you go on that. But if you think about this idea of being yoked to Christ, he's saying, if you will yoke up to me, if you will come and be a part of me, I will make your burden light. Now let's think about that for a moment. Because if you're like me, when, you, when I'm building the treehouse and I'm holding up this two by eight by 20, you are struggling to hold up things, right? Because life in, in your world just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, right? And so you're struggling to hold these things up in the air when all the while Christ is coming alongside and he's saying, hey, remember what I told you? Come to me. Come to me when you are weary. Come to me when you are burdened. And I, I alone will give you rest. One of my favorite passages is Galatians 6, 9. 
Do not grow weary in doing good things, for in due time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. At this point in the semester, I gotta be honest, I am, I am weary beyond measure. We've just finished up the semester, and, and for us going into the summer, we, we go really hard for about nine, nine and a half months, just investing, 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 and pouring and pouring and pouring. And, and for me, I try to use the summer as a time to, to rejuvenate, fill back up. In many ways that I do that, I spend time with family, um, I build tree houses. Yeah, that's really rejuvenating, right? But this idea that I have to come back alongside and I have to understand, Christ, you have given me an amazing opportunity to witness to college students and anyone else that I come in contact with. But with that is a heavy burden. Because when I present the truth, I am understanding in my head that if I'm presenting the truth to them for the first time, I have just completely interrupted their life. Think about that. When we share Christ with individuals, we are messing up their life because they've just been presented the truth. They've been given what Christ has given to you and I on a freely basis, and we're saying, here you go. Here's what Christ wants for you. He wants to free you up from this burden. He wants to take that away from you because he never intended for you to carry it. When Jesus is talking about a yoke here, he's talking about joining up with him in the sense of obviously Jesus being a rabbi, being a teacher. They got it. The disciples understood. The people who were listening to this understood that if I come alongside Jesus and follow his teachings, I will begin to look and and walk and, and maneuver like Christ. How many of us can say that this morning? How many of us can sit here where we're at and we say, you know what? I've yoked up to Christ. I'm beginning to walk like him. I'm beginning to think like him. I'm beginning to study his scriptures more so that I can know him better. And every day, my burden is lighter. Now, does this mean that we're not going to go through things in life? Absolutely not. Nowhere in here does Christ ever say, hey, yoke up to me and everything will be hunky-dory. You'll never have another pain. You'll never have anything else to worry about. No, Jesus says over and over, there are going to be things that you're going to come up against. But remember, come back to me and I will lighten your load. There's four things I want us to look at this morning that I think keep us from yoking up to Christ in this very real sense. First thing is pride. Proverbs 18, 12 says, pride leads to destruction. Proverbs 10, 8 says, the self-sufficient fool falls flat on his face. Here's the reality. Pride grips all of us at some points in our life. If you've heard my story at all, um, I, I was very athletic uh, all the way through high school and into college, and God allowed me to play baseball in college, and there was a very real sense of pride that overtook me. And God took a lot of things, uh, began to show me a lot of things that were being kind of weeded out of my life, and every time I felt something being plucked out of my life, I, I felt like I was beginning more and more prideful. You would think I'd be going the other way. Because God, in a very real sense, was trying to humble me back to the point where I recognized that he was God rather than I was God. 
because I was taking on that kind of complex. Pride destroys us. And you may be sitting there this morning going, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm the most humble person in this room. There you go. It'll catch you later, don't worry. Let me ask you this. If there is nothing that you're going through, if there is nothing that is challenging you, if there is nothing that that is pushing you up against the wall, when do you find it in your heart to to come to Christ? When do you find it in, in in your inner being to say, you know what, I need Christ. I need what he is offering. I need this aspect of being lifted from my burdens because this weight that I've been carrying is way too heavy for me. Number two is guilt. Psalms 40.12 says, Problems far too big for me to solve are piled higher than my head. Meanwhile, my sins, too many to count, have caught up with me, and I'm ashamed to look up. I don't know about you, but when I was young, um, I, was, I was a brat, man. I, if my mom was sitting here right now, my dad, they would, they would stand up and testify. They, they would, with no reservation. I was that kid that was constantly into stuff. I would, I would lie just to make up another lie and then try to work my way out of that lie, but then lie again to make cover. I mean, I just, I, I don't know what was going on in life at that point. But I got to a point where I began to feel so guilty that whenever my mom or dad would ask me a question, I couldn't even look up. I would just look down and try to answer their question because I knew the guilt weighed so heavily on top of me. There was no lie that I could tell. I was so far away from the truth that I couldn't even begin to share the truth because the truth at that point was not going to set me free. The only thing that was going to set me free was, was my dad's belt, right? And it, it did. And maybe that's what set me free. I don't know. But guilt, guilt lays itself upon us. And let me tell you, let me tell you right now, guilt is not from our creator. Guilt is something that we place on ourselves or we allow others to place upon us. Guilt is not of God. And if you're walking this morning and you're saying, you know what, you don't know what I've done. You don't know my past. You don't know the things that I've been a part of. You don't know where I'm at right now. You're right. I don't. But my Savior does. And he wants to free you from the guilt. He wants your head to be lifted high so that he can see your face and have communion with you. He wants to be a part of your life. There's a relationship that he wants to establish with you. No matter where you're at. No matter what you've done. Christ wants you. And he wants all of you. The thing is, when guilt grips a hold of us, we begin to take on this idea that I've got to clean myself up. I can't tell you how many times I've heard that from students. Gary, you don't know what I've done. I need to clean myself up before I can go to a father. Man, if you can show me that in scripture, I I would love to see it. (laughs) 
Because every time I read scripture, what mine says is that God wants you right where you are. And he will meet you right where you are. He never says, clean yourself up and then come to me. He says, in fact, in Psalms, he says, you know what? I'm going to take your sins and I'm going to cast them as far as the east is from the west. And, and in my, my little mind that I have, I, I literally used to think this concept. And maybe you're with me. I thought, well, if he casts them as far as the east is from the west, eventually they're going to come back around and meet each other, right? Man, that's so far from the truth. What's God really saying? He says, look, Gary, I'm casting your sins as far as the west is this way times infinity. And then guess what? I'm going to cast the other ones this way, east times infinity. And I will never remember them anymore. The problem is you're in my mind works where we have a really hard time forgetting what we've done. And many times that creeps back in and it and it crowds back into our space and it begins to become our yoke again and our burden becomes heavy again. And Christ comes back alongside and says, come to me, all you who are weary, all you who are guilty, come to me. Third thing is fear. We're often afraid of what we might have to give up. This is another thing that I've heard over and over and over. Well, I'm going to have to give up drinking, or I'm going to have to give up um, going to parties, or I'm going to have to give up um, my girlfriend or my boyfriend. I'm going to have to give up all of these things. And, and again, I look at Scripture and I go, you know what? I don't know how you look at it in terms of things that you have to give up. Look at it in terms of things that you get to receive. Because when you take on Christ, you are taking on hope and joy. And compassion, you begin to see the world differently. You look at people differently. You begin to smile a little bit, right? This idea of having Christ and, and walking around with this brownie face all the time is not scriptural. He says, sing a joyful song. And so we're to smile. We're to love people. We're to have compassion for them. We're to serve them. Because why? They're God's children. And he has called us to do that very thing. You need to let go. You need to let go. Some of you need to watch Frozen. That's what needs to happen. <laughs> you need to watch Frozen and you just need to sing the song, let it go in your heart over and over. You need to have a three-year-old girl and that's all you watch. Okay. <laughs> Come to my house. It'll be fun. All right. But you need to let it go. You need to let these things go in your life that are separating you from the love of Christ. Because I'm here to tell you, man, falling in love with Christ daily, man, it's an adventure. But it's the greatest decision I ever made. Ever. And so letting go of that idea that I've got to give up things in order to follow Christ is so far from the truth. Are there things that will be weeded out of your life? Absolutely. There are probably things that you need to let go of. But in the place of those, God will fill whatever you feel like are voids in your life. That's the God that we serve.
When I think of fear, I think of a puppeteer. I think of, of, a, of an individual being controlled by a puppeteer, and, and we are the puppet. And think about this with me, if you will. When we're not yoked up to Christ, we are, we are being ushered around by something, right? The thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We are ushered around by him. We are puppeted by him. But when we yoke up to Christ, Christ comes along and cuts those strings and sets us free. What does John 8.32 say? You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You've got to know Christ. You've got to yoke up to Christ to be set free from this burden. The last thing is worry. We worry because we confuse decision making with problem solving. Let me say that again because I think that's I think it's pretty huge. We worry because we confuse decision making with problem solving. In 1963, JFK announced, we're going to put a man on the moon by the end of the decade. That was the decision. Had all the problems been solved at that point? Absolutely not. But JFK came alongside and said, we're going to put a man on the moon, period. And then it was up to NASA and whoever else to figure out the problems. You see, the thing with us in terms of worry, we, we try to solve the problems before we make a decision. I don't know about you, but the way Krista and I work, whenever we do get to go on a date, we'll get in the car and we'll look at each other and we'll go, so where do you want to go eat? I don't know. I don't really care. Where do you want to go eat? We haven't solved anything, right? We made a decision that we were actually going to go on a date. But the problem of where we were going to go was never solved. So the, the, I guess the positive aspect is that we made a decision. Now we've got to decide where we're going to go eat. And if you're like us again, I'll throw out, well, I don't know, I'm thinking Chinese. I don't want Chinese. You just said you didn't care. Right? Man, I'm going to need some help. I need your wisdom. Because I'm pretty sure she said she didn't care. And I want Chinese. The Christian life is a decision. It's a decision to follow after Christ and to give your life over to him. That's, I can't say that's the easy part because sometimes that's the hardest part for us. But when I look at scripture, I, I, I line it up and I go, that's the easy part. It's the things afterwards that begin to get themselves worked out. It's the problems that we look at in our life when we go, well, I made the decision. Why is everything still so difficult? It's because you're still worrying about it. You're still worrying about all those problems that are still creeping into your life and not allowing you to fully give control over to our Savior. So when we worry about things, we fall into the trap of what Satan has for us. Yeah, you're now a child of the king, but you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm just going to interject all these little things that you can worry about. And over and over and over, Christ is saying, remember, come to me. I will give you rest. 
I will take this worry away from you because I will begin to help you solve life's problems. Because when you begin to line up those problems with Scripture, again, you begin to see life in a whole new spectrum. It's crazy. I challenge you. If you're not in your Scripture, read it. Read it this next week. I would say pick wherever, but maybe stay out of Leviticus for a little while. Work your way to the New Testament. Pick some place. Read it. Read it. And see if God doesn't begin to change your life. And begin to line it up with his. What might it mean for you to give your life to Christ? Fully. What would it mean for you to lay down your selfishness and say, I can't do it anymore. I've got to give it over to you. Take my life. Do with it whatever you will. But I'm giving you my life. What does that look like for you? Is it mixed in with with a little bit of guilt or, or pride or worry or fear? Do all of those things compile on top of each other and you look at this and you go, I just can't do it. Man, I hope that's not where you're at this morning. I hope where you're at is is the fact that honestly these bombs are going off in your heart and you are beginning to see Christ for who he really is. Because he wants to call you his child. Let me read this passage again from the message and then I'll close. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's what Christ is calling you and I to this morning. He wants to be yoked up to you. He wants a relationship with you so that he can commune with his child. There's nothing greater for me in the world than when one of my children we've just had a discussion what we call it usually entails some type of discipline right and I'm sitting on the couch or the recliner and that child will come back in and crawl up in my lap and we begin to discuss the things that we just talked about in more detail why, why would I find such gratification in that? Because it's my child. God has blessed me to raise a child and discipline them and teach them and direct them in what Scripture says about life. And sometimes their actions don't line up with that. Sometimes my actions don't line up with that. I'm 36 years old and I still feel my dad coming through the phone disciplining me sometimes. Christ wants the relationship with you so that when you crawl up in his lap, 
He can love you and hold on to you and lift the burden from you. I want to ask Andre to come on back up. I want us to pray. Um, I don't know where you're at this morning um, in terms of your salvation, if you know Christ, if you don't know Christ. But I want to challenge you this morning based on this passage to begin the process of understanding what does it mean to truly yoke up to Christ? What does it mean to have this relationship with Christ? And if that's where you're at this morning, man, I would love to talk with you. I'm going to be down here. Um, I think David's around here as well. Maybe you want to join this church. There's some amazing things happening here. And you're seeing it. You get to be here firsthand. And I'm so grateful for that. So maybe that's where you're at this morning as well. Um, But right after I pray, as we worship, I want you to just wrestle. Wrestle with these aspects. Wrestle with this thought. God, what are you doing in my life? What are the things that you're needing to change? What's the weight that I need to give back to you? Let's pray. God, thank you for... Uh, just the opportunity to be here. God, what a special morning to remember those who have gone before us, who've allowed us the opportunity and the freedom to speak truth. Father, I pray that we would never forget that. So thank you. Thank you for the individuals who went before us who many of them laid down their lives so that we could be here. Father, I thank you for your scriptures that teach us over and over what it means to have a relationship with you. And God, I pray this morning that as we we lay down ourselves, we lay down our pride, God, that we would come to you and we would lay it at your feet and we would walk away not grabbing anything back, but letting you take hold of our lives. We pray this in your precious name. Amen.